You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Paul Lazarus. In the 1980s, I produced and hosted a radio series called Anything Goes, a celebration of the American musical theater. Now the Broadway Podcast Network is bringing back these shows. This is the conclusion of a two-part program featuring the composer of Bye Bye Birdie and Golden Boy, Charles Strauss. In January of 1982, Strauss came to my apartment in Manhattan and discussed everything from his collaboration with lyricist Lee Adams to working with Ray Bolger and Linda Lavin. Let's talk a little bit about your collaboration with Lee Adams, uh, who you've worked with almost for most of the shows that you've written. How do you work together on a song? Well, Lee and I have a very... uh close relationship. I must say, I love Lee Adams, and I think we've known each other long enough that I might say the reverse, too. We've been uh, close all our lives, our professional lives together, over 30 years. And it's gotten uh, so that we uh, we do each other's work, you might say, but I wouldn't put it that way. He's not really a musician as I am, and I'm not a lyricist as he is, but nevertheless we contribute to each other. I rely on his being... uh, Suggesting certain things to me, certain ideas, and I think he relies on me for doing the same thing for him. So there would be times where it would be just a phrase, musically and lyrically, that I I can't remember whether he suggested I do it up instead of down, and where 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 I said to him, "Gee, this should be the title, not that thing you say. It's about that second thing you said." You know, Mm -hmm. it's one of those things. We worked very closely that way together, and I think one of the reasons that we're uh, that we don't work as much together. Now is Lee just as not as uh, Lee's not a New Yorker, uh, and uh, he he he's not as uh, he's not as hungry as I am. Uh, sometimes he he doesn't mm-hmm. like doing as much, and he's probably right. He lives a much more healthy life than I do. He's always said that I work too much. I mean, I think I do, but I can't help it. I just love you love doing to, it so much. Yeah, the different strokes and all of that. Yeah. Um, have you ever had your marital tiffs? I mean, if collaboration yes. is marriage. Uh, I would say uh, they haven't been tiffs as much as the fact that I think sometimes uh, people who who are too close over too long a period of time tend to uh, use one another, manipulate one another. And uh, I think Lee and I both have been in our career guilty of doing that, pulled back from doing it, but nevertheless do it. I mean, you find it in marriages all the time and uh-huh. close friendships that aren't collaborative. You know, somebody has to make the other person feel guilty or 
or has to make the other person feel sorry for him or, or, mm. or has to use his aggressions. And, and I think both of us have done that. And, uh, uh, and I think both of us are aware of it. And I think uh, both of us are going to work together again, I hope, for many years. Right. Have you ever done a show before? Had Mel? Yeah. Uh, well, he worked on Archie and Mahitabel. I don't think he had inaugurated it. Uh-huh. Me- no, Mel, is a, uh, Mel is a... Uh, I'm just making up this phrase now, but I think it's accurate. He's a stand-up writer. Uh, he, he likes to talk it. As a matter of fact, the, the, the movie that he did, the producers, after All-American, he told Lee and me every scene of it throughout the rehearsal of All-American. It was as though he didn't want to or trust himself to simply type it out he would try it out he would then do scene three for us had you thought that once upon a time would be the the hit of the score no uh i certainly didn't lee and i had written a version of the song once in a review uh which didn't we didn't feel was right in uh, green mansions again and we rewrote it but as a character song we thought mel had a scene in which ray bulger and eileen hurley had to meet and to discuss somehow the exposition of where he came from was important. There was a romantic uh, glow to the scene, but it was basically about, I come from here and this is what I did in my life. And we wrote the song to kind of help with eight pages of dialogue. Mm. Uh, The only person who thought it was going to be a hit song, oddly enough, was Tony Bennett, who recorded it. But uh, it didn't work that well in the show. And that's a very funny thing about shows. Mm. Sometimes... uh, the yeah. best songs don't work in the uh, so many dramatic sense. That work in the theater, yeah. Lee Adams, together with Charles Strauss at the piano, performed the song Once Upon a Time at the Lyricists and Lyrics Evening at the 92nd Street YMHA. Once upon a time A girl with moonlight in her eyes Put her hand in mine And said she loved me so But that was once upon a time Very long ago Once upon a hill We sat beneath a willow tree Counting all the stars And waiting for the dawn But that was once upon a time Now the tree is gone How the breeze ruffled through her hair How we always laughed as though tomorrow wasn't there We were young and didn't have a care 
funny stories about Ray Bolger at that time? Uh, it strikes me as that he's the kind of person that would uh, generate. I don't well, know. the only one, I've, I've told this before, so, but it's, it's, it's perfectly true that uh, the only funny thing that I can think of was that he, he did play the part of a Slavic professor and uh, decided to do it in a Slavic accent. And I remember one day during rehearsal, Mel Brooks walked into me and he said, why is that man speaking Japanese? <laughs> What a country, what a crazy place to be. A hundred eighty million people and not two of them agree. What a country, what a country. Every day a new frontier. What a rootin', tootin', six-gun shootin' country. Ride in a bus and you travel all day and still you're only two states away. It's terrific. What a country. And you pass more towns than you can name and every main street looks the same, full of traffic. <laughs> it's amazing. And there's so many rivers and farms and herds and who can pronounce all those Indian words? Shenandoah, Chattahoochee, Susquehanna, Tuscarora, Allegheny, Wallagoochee. What a country. What a country. Ray Bulger as Professor Stanislaus Fedorsky and the original cast of All-American performing What a Country, a song by Lee Adams and my guest today on Anything Goes, composer Charles Strauss. Golden Boy in 1964. I was curious because I, I went back last night and read uh, the Odette's play because I had never looked at that. Why the change? Uh, from an Italian white fighter to a black fighter for the from Harlem for the musical, I'm sure that obviously was the, the generating factor of the show. Oh yes, no question about it. It was because that had become the the larger truth in American life. The depression didn't exist as such, so an Italian boy who had to fight to the top was was only true in a very period sense. Mm -hmm. It was true because the the play is is true and beautiful and uh, but. For it to be a black man uh, became more American. Uh, it it became more uh, of a pressured situation as the depression had made it with the poor Italian, and because it was more particular, 
to my mind anyway, more pressure. It was more universal. I think Golden Boy exists even more strongly as a, as a, as a black boxer. Mm-hmm. Uh, did... Uh did Sammy Davis Jr. come after that, or before? No, that was one of the few, if not the only show that Lee and I ever wrote, where it was prepackaged in a sense. Uh-huh. There was a producer, Hillard Elkins, who said to Sammy, "Look, I can get Clifford Odets if you do this." And Sammy said, "Well, if you can get Odets to do the book." And then he said to to us, "I got Sammy Davis to do it. If 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 if, oh, if, if you will do it, oh really? Gee, Sammy Davis, wow." Uh, and then I, I, I think we've compared notes at one time. Nobody had uh, had committed themselves to do it at that time. You just uh, went around getting everybody just went around to say yes. It. But then it, it it was right. The unfortunate part about that show was that Clifford, after working for two and a half years with us, died the week before rehearsal. I know that is and uh, didn't live to see it. Lana, Lana and Joe. Somehow it sounds so right Somehow you feel what I feel too I wanna be with you I wanna be with you I wanna be with you After Lying there, loving you, hating you. Tonight, I'm touching you, tasting you. World, you're gonna see. We'll make out somehow. Here's my girl and me. They can't hurt us now. Here's our chance, it's not too late for us Grab it fast or life won't wait for us I wanna be with you I wanna be with Gonna 
tell the world Make way for us It's a sweet and golden day for us Now the music starts to Sammy Davis Jr. and Paula Wayne singing I Want to Be With You from the score to Golden Boy, a 1964 work by lyricist Lee Adams and Charles Strauss, who is my guest today on Anything Goes. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It fascinates me to, to Clifford Odets, you know, one of our really greatest American playwrights, working as a librettist. Was he, I mean, being a librettist is such a different thing from being yeah. a playwright. You have to be so generous about the material. Right. Did he have any trouble with that? Did yes, that? tremendous amount. Wow. Uh, he, uh, he wanted the show, he sensed the show, he sensed the importance of the show, but uh, he could, he found it very difficult to unlock mm. his heart from his original inspiration there were many instances where he said but that's my best scene you know we did the the usual songwriters tricks of taking, taking the best the scene best and putting a uh, a song there yeah and the the connectives and the uh the elimination the additions uh, he found it very hard mm. and sometimes he would rewrite a whole scene stay up the whole night because he always wrote with us at least in a feverish pitch and then we'd come in the next day and, and it was essentially the same scene oh. uh Clifford Odette said to Lee and me regarding a song we wanted very much in Golden Boy that it could not be done because the drama that took place immediately before was too contradictory. Those of you who know the story of Golden Boy, it's a sensitive young man tells his father he's going to give up music for a life of violence. The old man's heart is broken and the young man feels very guilty. The song Lee constructed following this was a sardonic goodbye to Harlem and would include jokes, tap dancing, and a great deal of affectionate put-on among the young men's street pals. Clifford was a venerable playwright. It shouldn't have worked, but musicals are curious animals. The song was an instant hit and only enhanced the dramatic structure of the play. Was it Donald McHale's staging? Sammy Davis, a great song and dance man? Johnny Brown's humor? Or Lola Falana's great walk? 
Personally, I think it was Lee's lyric. Don't forget 127th Street Don't forget your happy Harlem home Don't forget 127th Street No siree, there's no slum like your own I remember summer evenings at my window Watching all those muggings down below Oh no, Joe, don't forget 127th Street A little bit of heaven Wherever you may go first comic strip musical was uh, 1966, <laughs> yes. It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman. Uh, interesting team, David Newman and Robert Benton, uh, who later uh, did Bonnie and Clyde, the film. And Superman. And, and, <laughs> yes, and yeah. Superman, and also Robert Benton, Kramer vs. Kramer, um, wrote the book for that show. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I know so little about the show, oddly enough. I mean, I, I assume it's a... Well, it was a... Uh, it was, if you saw the movie Superman, <clears throat> it was that... It was exactly that with a little change of plot it was exactly that tone that uh-huh. uh that's that's what it was we we just we were 10 years too early on that that was mm, it's interesting, i think yeah. one of our big problems the history of musical theater every now and then it crops up that yeah. someone goes i think 10 years later in fact I'm convinced by the the grossness of that movie that 10 or was it 15 years later well, we would have been a much different kind of success. As it was, we had a kind of critical success, mm-hmm. and uh, I've always liked the show, but uh, it, it didn't it didn't work on Broadway. Hal Prince was the producer and director on that producer show. Producer, director, yes. That was the first time you worked with him. First before. time, yes. Michael O'Sullivan played the, the villain in that plot, yeah. and he uh, played a mad scientist who despairs of having never been awarded a Nobel Prize, yeah. and he sings that wonderful song you wrote called Re- Revenge. Revenge, yes. He was, uh, he was Meshuggah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me, a ten-time Nobel Prize loser. In 1938, I earned my Ph.D. with a masterful hypothesis in colloid chemistry. I was getting set to publish when, much to my surprise, Richard T. Zygmunty won the Nobel Prize. And for what? For work on the heterogeneous nature of colloid solutions! My field! My colloids! In 1949, I thought I had it made. My work in light diffusion put my colleagues in the shade. But then my hopes were shattered by some Hindu in Salon. They gave the prize in physics to Sir Chandra V. Raman to work on light diffusion, the Raman effect. Damn it, it should have been the Sedgwick effect. Revenge, revenge. 
I'll have it of them all. No single slight will I forget. I'll show no mercy, you can bet. They'll all get theirs the day I get revenge. That dopey Wolfgang Pauly for his work in fission. I used to help that punk with long division. And fair me for his brilliant neutron system. That Bobby wouldn't know a neutron if it kissed him. Up of the thing that really drove me to a fury, they gave the prize to Harold Urey. The shocking thing about the matter is, my heavy hydrogen was heavier than his. Revenge, revenge. Oh, it will taste so sweet. A misanthrope, yes, I might be. An outcast of society. Think what you like, but just give me a revenge, a revenge. It really goes way back. My parents hated me. You see, my birth surprised them. Mom was 63. Nanny smelled of Clorox, and boarding school was hell. I'll show you dad's mom and nanny, and Alfred B. Nobel. Revenge, revenge, that's all I live for now. I'll make them wince and cringe and cry. I spit in their collective eye. I'll have one thing before I die. And I'll have it by destroying the world's symbol of goodness, Superman. <laughs> Revenge! The other song in that score that, that I particularly like, and it's the one that's really emerged from that score is You've Got Possibilities. Yeah, that did uh, pretty well. That was early in Linda Lavin's career. Yeah. What was her character? She played a character named Sydney, but who was that? She was the, uh, at the Daily Planet, uh, she was the uh, associate to the bad columnist uh, who was played by Jack Cassidy. And she had a a real crush on uh, Cassidy, who uh, spurned her and used her at every opportunity that he could to do her legwork, and she sings You've Got Possibilities when one night Cassidy uh, stands her up for a date and all, and she has nowhere to go and nothing to do, and she's mad, and she spies Clark Kent. She, you, can, you can barely see him for the woodwork, of course, and she says, oh, hell, why not? I got nothing to do tonight. And she says, come here, you, you know, and he's right. amazed that anybody would even notice him. Sort of and a then, double-edged song, because she, while she's singing it, obviously... Oh, she's toying with his shirt and all, which he has to uh, cover. It was quite quite funny, and Linda was wonderful in it. Uh-huh. I mean, she is one of the best musical comedy performers and has been trapped by great success as a actress now, right. uh, but she's the best as a musical comedy performer. Necktie, the worst bearing, just unbearable. What to tackle first? Still, you've got possibilities, though you're horribly square. I see possibilities underneath. There's something there. 
1966 show It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman, produced and directed by Harold Prince, with a score by Lee Adams and Charles Strauss. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The film you are about to see is based on really true incidents that actually happened. We know you are a real sophisticated audience, and what you are about to see is some mature story. In 1925, there was this real religious girl, and by accident, she invented the striptease. This real religious girl in 1925. Thank you. William Friedkin's The Night They Raided Minsky's, which I, I finally uh, got to hear that score when you lent me the record, I think it's terrific. And the, the title song and that number, uh, Take Ten Terrific Girls, are wonderful. Yeah, that, we like that. Uh, that must have been a really fun film to it, work well, on. It was, except for the tragedy of Bert Lahr's death, which uh, right. changed the, not only the film, but uh, it changed that the film right totally. in the middle of the shooting. Yeah. yeah, I'd forgotten. And it was a major decision on Norman Lear's part. Uh, and United Artists to go ahead with it, which they did, and then the film was masterfully cut, almost created, recreated certainly by Ralph Rosenblum. To keep him in the film. To not only keep him in, but to suddenly give the, the, the picture an entirely different emphasis. It became a different story because that part, which was a major part, had to become I don't know. Almost I don't know. A kind cameo, of, so. yeah, like cameo thing. Right. The whole emphasis of the of the film was changed, and, and Ralph, Ralph, and Norman recreated that uh, hmm. 
can you just describe the atmosphere and set up these these songs? I'm going to play them both. Uh, it was Wominski's is obviously the the burlesque house and the Take Ten Terrific Girls was was simply a number in the uh, uh, in in burlesque. We just imagined and then were blessed with a tenor who could sing that way. Yeah, it was wonderful and that was a number that they did. Uh, Norman's idea and Billy Friedkin's idea was always to show uh, to show the the perspiration, so to speak, on the girls. It wasn't just a uh, you know, burlesque, the glamorous aspect. It mm. was uh, really life on the Lower East Side, uh, various religious and, uh, New York tensions and things like that along with the burlesque. Many other ladies I have lied to, many were my happy nights, and yet the night they raided Minsky's is the night I can't forget. And the night they ended prohibition, oh, Delancey Street was plenty wet. Yet the night they raided Minsky's is the night I can't forget. We were watching Phoebe from Gapery in her artistic dance. When just by chance, her dress tore into what was she to do and then the whistle blew followed by the cops and every man turned pale oh what a brawl they arrested us all Phoebe finished her dance in jail now I'm very old with just my memories now my biggest thrill's a cigarette but the night they raided Minsky's is the night I can't forget He ended her dance in jail Now I'm very old with just my memories Now my biggest thrill's a cigarette But the night they raided Minsky's But the night they raided Minsky's But the night they raided Minsky's Is the night I can't Rudy Valley. Uh, from the original soundtrack of The Night They Raided Minsky's singing the title song by Lee Adams and Charles Strauss. One thing about Lee, if I may say so in front of him, is this love-hate relationship with the theater. He'd rather, I think, be sitting around in the country reading or traveling than writing a new show, and he always seemed rather annoyed when I'd call to say, I've heard about a new idea. Nevertheless, here's some of the love part of that relationship. Two theater songs, burlesque in this case, and from a film, not a musical this time. Many are the ladies I have lied to, many were my happy nights, and yet, the night they raided Minsky's is the night I can't forget. On the night they ended prohibition, Old Delancey Street was plenty wet But the night they raided Minsky's Was the night I can't forget uh, uh, uh. 
We were watching Fifi from Gay Paris in her artistic dance When just by chance Her dress tore into What were we to do? And then the whistle blew Followed by the cops and every man turned pale Oi, what a brawl, they arrested us all Fifi finished her dance in jail Now I'm very old with just my memories Now my greatest thrill's a cigarette But the night they raided Minsky's Is the night I can't forget I have a secret recipe Concocted with much skill And once you've tried my special dish You'll never get your fill Take ten terrific girls But only nine costumes And you're cooking up something grand Mix in some amber lights and elegant scenery, then stir, stir in a fine jazz band. Then add some funny men and pepper, pepper with laughter. Laughter, it's tart and tasty. I know. And serve it piping hot And what have you got? A Charles Strauss Part 2, the conclusion of a two-part series. Associate producer Jeff London. Anything Goes Backstage with Broadway's Best is produced and hosted by Paul Lazarus. For more information, visit anythinggoespl.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and follow us. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E 
ChumbaCasino.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.